Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and like many things that are going on right now, I am a product of the 80s. If you look around, the 80s are, well, I guess they've to a certain extent always been making a comeback, because Transformers have been with us for years, or at least Americanized Transformers as we know them, and that's a product of the 80s. Uh... G.I. Joe has, has maintained a presence one way or another, but it, now it's back in Toys R Us in a special uh, limited, I, I guess it's a 50th anniversary still, but it's the three and three quarter inch figures, but they're also doing special Action Man 50th anniversary uh, 12 inch figures. I don't know. Hasbro's weird, but they're, they're new G.I. Joe's out. It's a series of two packs and a couple of three packs of the three and three quarter inch Real American Hero figures. And when I first saw them, I was really excited because I always want more G.I. Joe's. Uh, the G.I. Joe is, ah, excuse me, a little sip of water there to keep myself hydrated. Uh, more, more about where I'm at with that in a minute. But uh, G.I. Joe is, for the most part, my favorite toy line of all time. Uh, if depending on my mood, I might answer something different from time to time, but I think G.I. Joe was the most influential. It was my favorite for the longest, and it's the one that warms my heart the most. And believe me, there are plenty of 80s toy lines that get me really excited. Uh, plenty of things from the 80s that get me really excited. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was excited to see these in Toys R Us. I, I knew they were coming out, and today... Uh, I stopped by Toys R Us, and they actually had the two three-packs in stock. And at one point, they would have been no-brainers for me. Uh, I, I would have picked them up, bought them without giving it a second thought. But lately, I am very, very conscious of what I'm spending my money on, and I guess more importantly, what else I could be spending my money on. So I looked at these two pack or three packs. They didn't have any of the two packs in stock. And one of them is uh, Outback in all black, Lieutenant Falcon in all black, and then a, a lady sniper who is a new character. And the the sniper is really cool. Outback actually looks pretty cool in black. And Falcon, I don't have a normal Falcon, and I don't particularly want an all black Falcon. And I've already got Outback like he's supposed to look. So even as cool as the black one looked, eh. And the sniper, as cool as she looked, she's not a pre-existing character that I have any attachment to. And I thought, you know what? I don't need this. Not for this amount of money. I just I just don't. So I looked at the other three-pack, which was significantly more appealing because it had a uh, purple. I think it's an Alley Viper. I can't remember which one is purple. Uh, but it's a purple Cobra figure. Uh, a, a urban camo bat, which I battle android troopers are kind of a thing that I go out of my way to collect when I can. And then finally, the female Cobra officer that was supposed to come out years ago and then Hasbro never made. And I picked that one up. I walked around with it for a while looking at various other 80s things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, more Transformers, um, 
what else? Uh, there's one other 80s thing. I can't think of it right now, so I'm going to move on for the sake of the story. And I, I, I looked at this thing, and I thought, you know what? I don't need this either. I've got plenty of bats. Uh, the Alley Viper, while I, I would always be happy to have a purple Cobra guy, and I don't think I've got one of this particular variation, and, and I would like to have the Lady Cobra officer. But again, I was like, you know what? What else could I spend this money on? Uh, we, we've got a trip coming up. Obviously, the holidays are coming up very soon. Uh, and then beyond that, even without those things, uh, wouldn't I rather put that money towards like a 112 figure uh, that, I, that I have very few of as opposed to more G.I. Joe figures that I have hundreds of? I don't even know how many. Uh, plus, stacks of them right beside my desk here in the Phantom Zone that haven't even been opened yet. Uh, which I kind of like knowing that I have G.I. Joe's waiting to be opened. And, and they've been sitting there for at least a year, if not longer, just kind of waiting. And, and some of them are, are characters I've already got. They're upgrades, and some of them are, are just they're, – they're various different things that I just haven't gotten to for one reason or another. And it's comforting to have them there. And in a way, it helps me not buy new Joe's. So that that's one way that the 80s are are back with us. Another way that a relic from the 80s is making its way back is Mad Balls. Mad Balls are coming back all over the place. It's ridiculous, uh, the the state of Mad Balls right now. Uh, Mondo's Mondo Balls, which I talked about on the show months ago when they were first uh, offered, I, I had mine pre-ordered back the day that they went up for pre-order. I pre-ordered them. At the time, thinking that they were the only Mad Balls that would be coming out. And these are vinyl toys. Uh, they're they're not foam like the older ones, which maybe would bother purists. But for me, I would rather have a vinyl that holds the nice detailed sculpt and that isn't going to deteriorate over time. Because I've, actually, I've got uh, almost the entire run of reissues of Mad Balls that they did uh, eight or nine years ago or whatever. And a couple of them have actually deteriorated some. Uh, so having vinyl ones, to me, I, I, I want them because I want them to last forever. But then there also, there's another company, and I, I apologize for not having the names in front of me, but another company is doing a new line of retail Mad Balls with, they're, they're redesigned, they're for kids, they're actually doing a full line of products and stationery and whatever else, just like the old 80s Mad Balls, but they're updated. They've got different looks, and I, I like them. Some people don't care for the style, uh, like Oculus Orbis has a mouth, which I understand people not liking, but I think it's kind of cool. Uh, they, they just look a little more stylized, but not in like a hey, modern way, just in a, a different way. They're cartoony. They're, they're not quite cutesy enough to be Adventure Time. Uh, maybe Billy and Mandy, maybe along those lines. But anyway, I really dig them. I'm looking forward to those. And then there is another company, uh, Kid Robot, is doing uh, a whole line of it, it. They almost look like reissues of the original Mad Balls, but I think they're slightly more detailed. But but anyway, we have three different lines of Mad Balls coming out with. I think over six different styles of actual Mad Balls because one of them is doing full-size ones and mini, uh, I think they're blind bag mini balls. I think those are the Kid Robot ones. Uh, it's, it's crazy. So Mad Balls from the 80s back huge. Uh, February is when the 
retail line that you'll see in Target and Walmart and Toys R Us and everywhere else. Those are supposed to be hitting in February because the the manufacturer actually got back to me when I asked them. Uh, They did not respond about coming on the podcast uh, because nobody does. Uh, And then Mondo's should be shipping any day now because they actually responded to me as well uh, that that they had actually gotten them at the warehouse. And if you're part of the Needless Things podcast Facebook group, which you should be. And if you're not, go sign up now or just join. You don't sign up. You just click. Click join. Uh, They actually got back to me as well. Let me know that they're in the warehouse. I put up a picture over there uh, showing the boxes and uh, also did not respond about coming on the podcast because nobody does. And then finally, the Kid Robot ones. Uh, I can't remember. I think those might have been February also because, uh, again, they they responded as well. Although I don't think I asked them about coming on the show because, quite frankly, I, I've gone over this before. It's it's tiresome. I get worn out asking people over and over again about coming on the show and saying no, particularly at the end of the year with so much other stuff going down. This last quarter of the year, uh, the, the September through December, it is really tough to ask people to be on the show because one, I'm just tired of doing it all year. And two, everybody's busy this time of year. So it, you know, whatever, maybe someday somebody that makes a toy will come on the show again. That's my hope. Uh, and then finally, uh, considering this week, uh, the unavoidable event that occurred this week that we're in right now, uh, I, I, can't really gloss over it and and i'm sure you all know what i'm talking about and that is the release of the nes classic video game system that's right yet another big return from the 80s this is like a miniature nes system nintendo entertainment system uh it has controllers that plug into it although from what i understand the cords are too short which seems like a dumb design flaw to me considering the original nintendo cords were like 10 freaking feet long or something uh but the, it has 30 original NES games built into it, and I've looked at them, and they're the top 30. It's Kirby. Uh, oh, gosh. I can't remember the, the – I didn't know I was going to be talking about this, folks. I've been working my butt off uh, for the past couple of weeks, and I will have no butt left after next week. I'm working just a ton. Uh, all day shifts. I've got no sleep. So pardon me for not being completely together. But you guys have heard about the NES Classic System. I read a review of it. Everything plays amazingly well. You have different screen settings, so you can have, like, super sharp, state-of-the-art, best possible 8-bit graphics, or you can actually have uh, uh, kind of an overlay type thing that makes it look like your old TV screen. Uh, And apparently the response is just incredible. Like, these games are, are playing better than they ever did back in the day. Uh, you don't. They're all built into the console, so you don't have to blow out the cartridges or anything like that. And these things go on sale today, today, uh, Friday, uh, November the 11th. These these are Amazon is putting them up at 2 p.m. Central Time, 5 p.m. Eastern. I don't know why I'm telling you that because I'm trying to get one, and now you guys are all going to jump on my shit. Uh, but GameStop is going to have them. Target's going to have them. Toys are, everybody's going to have them. But I'm telling you right now, this, I think, this is my call for the hot holiday item of the year. I think these things are going to be impossible to find. Uh, now, granted, as the year goes on, like a, as we get further into December, maybe they'll ship them out a little better. But 
you guys know Nintendo's history of shorting supply intentionally. The only reason I think they might not do the same thing with these is that this is very much going to be a fad kind of thing. That this is not going to have the longevity of a console. This is not going to be an item that people are buying for the next you know six seven years, however whatever the lifespan of a console is now. So. Maybe they're going to try and really get them out to market and make all the money they can this season while these things are hot. I think that would be the smart thing to do. But I, I will tell you this. I would bet money these first two or three weeks that they're out, they are going to be hard to find. So if you see one, grab one uh, and send it to me in the Phantom Zone, care of Phantom Troublemaker. So anyway, that's it for things from the 80s, icons of the 80s that have made a return this week, right? nothing else to talk about at all uh, okay there's one more thing to talk about and i don't talk about this kind of stuff on the show uh i don't like to get involved in these things and personally or on the show but i will say this uh hang on to your hope and hang on to your love and and love each other don't fall victim to hate don't fall victim to anger uh and I understand that many people feel that that's exactly what happened and that's why we are where we are. And maybe that's the case. I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm not happy. There was no happy ending for me with this election. Uh, there wasn't going to be. I, I, I was going to be dismayed regardless of the outcome. But I don't want anybody to be despondent and I don't want anybody to be hateful because hate is not going to solve any of the problems that we have. We have to love each other because love is all that matters. It's the only important thing there is. Just focus on that. Don't don't hate your friends no matter what. Uh, don't 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 let them tear us apart. Because make no mistake about it. Regardless of who they are, it's them versus us. They want us fighting. They want us divided. They want people of different skin colors not trusting each other. They want people of different sexual orientations looking at each other funny. They want us mad at each other. They want us not cooperating because that's how they stay in power and that's how they control us. The only way to fight back is love and unity. And that's a little too deep for the Needless Things podcast and it's a little too hippy-dippy for me, but I wanted to say it because... I'm genuinely upset by what I've seen from a lot of you guys out there. And I, I, this is going to sound kind of shitty, but I expect better, you guys. I really do. I'm, I'm very disappointed by a lot of you for a lot of different reasons. And I, we can do better. You can do better. I, I can do better. We can all do better than the situation we've been dealt. So love each other. And uh, for now... Love this episode of the podcast with our pal Mike Gordon. Uh, we talk about Doctor Strange. We talk about stuff on TV. We just have a fun pop culture talk because, quite frankly, uh, that's what we needed to have with with this week going on. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'll be back after the show. There's a war coming down between my breasts and mine. I don't want no war going down, going down Leave it, our evolution now is on 
go ahead and discuss something that both of us got to experience uh, separately over the weekend. I, I want to talk. I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about it because there are just a few things I want to touch on because I would imagine you're probably more knowledgeable than I am. Uh, but Doctor Strange came out this past weekend, and I feel like we're in a time where the Marvel movies are to a certain extent sort of tried and true and that their reliability is almost working against them at this point to where I, I'm just not as excited for them. And I don't mean that in like, oh, I don't care, or oh, it's another one. I don't mean that in a way that I'm tired of them or that I don't care about them. I still, I go, I still want to go see them on opening night, but I don't have the same electric excitement about them that I used to. And I think it's just because we're getting two a year right now and heading into getting three a year. Uh, before we talk about the movie itself, how did you feel going in? What was your excitement level? I, uh, Doctor Strange is a character that I've I've known about in the comics, but I didn't I never really followed him closely. So um, he was just sort of a figure that would pop in and out, um, and and kind of whenever there was a magic issue, he was like the go to guy in the Marvel universe. So um, and that's about all I knew of him. I was pretty look. Um, I, I get what you're saying because. Um, but I, I sort of have the opposite reaction. I'm amazed at what Marvel's able to do. And obviously Disney is an influence there. Um, but uh, I am just amazed that it's they, they've got a consistency to them like I have never seen in any series of movies, entertainment, what have you, uh, at, at, ever. Well, uh, I mean, everybody I, keeps waiting for the shoe to drop, but it, it no, just it is not. It it's just steady. No, there's there's not going to be any shoe. At this point, we're 14 movies in, and I like most of those movies more than most people I know. Like, there are certain movies that people have issues with. People will say that the Thor movies aren't as good. People hate Iron Man 2. Some people hate Iron Man 3. Some people hate Age of Ultron. I love them all. Now, some are better than others. But I've bought every single one of them. I, I thoroughly enjoy all of them. Uh, I, I think in general, I actually have a, a bigger sweet spot for those movies than a lot of people do, or at least a lot of internet commenters. Yeah, well. But uh, I just don't get as tingly excited as I used to. Like I said, I still want to see it on opening night, and I'm still stoked. But now I know, like... I'm going to see another great movie. <laughs> like it's, it's almost like the, the you're just too you're just too spoiled. Yeah, well, right? and it's really, I mean, that's honestly that's that's what I feel like is like I've I've hit a plateau, but that plateau is great, and, and think, it's fine. I think they, you know, there's still a standard to uphold. Look, I'm not going there hoping that they fail. I never do that no, no. for any any movie that I see, for that matter. I'm like, who pays money and goes and hopes that it sucks? Uh, uh, dude, plenty of people, I'm sure. I know. I know. They go um, with their notepads looking to take notes about what disappoints them. And, and you know, is Doctor Strange as a movie perfect? No, far from it. But it's solid. It. I um, would argue that uh, visually it it takes things to the next level. I mean, we've had, you know, if you go back, let's just go back as far as, you know, T2. Wow, those visuals were amazing. And then you go 
Then you skip ahead a little bit to Matrix. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Then you skip ahead a little bit to Inception. Oh, my God, that's amazing. And this one is like right in that. It's the next chapter. Um, and I and I felt so visually, I think they did, did, you know, they set themselves apart from a lot of the other Marvel movies that way. Um, because just visually, this is this is one that is uh, absolutely stunning in a way that the other ones weren't. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, was some character development missing from that a little bit? Maybe. But uh, uh, I thought everything was solid and, uh, um, you know, it was fun. By All of them are fun. And that's yes. the other thing that they've kind of brought to it as well. I mean, so you even and 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 I, I just am amazed at. You know, because when they started this journey, they didn't have their A guys. Like, this is a team that went on the field without their quarterback and, and all that other sports nonsense, right? They didn't have they didn't have Spider-Man. Marvel didn't have Fantastic Four. They didn't have the X-Men to use. So they're kind of like, well, what do we put out? So, like, we're going to make Iron Man a name. And, you know, I mean, if you step into the Wayback Machine, nobody thought that was possible. Right. Um, right. And then since then, they've continued on uh, with Thor and Captain America, obviously, is a bigger name than that. I think the true test for them was not just Guardians, because Guardians took a lot of people by surprise. Not me, because I had really enjoyed the comic and I was glad to see that they brought that to life. I think they had that kind of uh, basis to kind of jump off of so that it wouldn't be, you know, just out of nowhere. Well, um, I, with Guardians... I wasn't sure it was going to be a success, but I knew it was going to be an awesome movie because I, I have adored James Gunn, uh, since Dawn of the Dead, since the Scooby Doo movies. Like, gotcha. I've been a fan of that guy his entire, literally his entire, well, since Tromeo and Juliet. Uh, I, I have, like, I, that was not a bandwagon for me. That was a, I'm going to be, in the theater, and I might be one of five people that thinks this is the greatest movie of all time, but it's going <laughs> to be freaking amazing. Uh, and and I can't tell you to this day, I, I have a baby Groot that I keep on my desk, and every time I look at it, it makes me happy because I feel like that baby Groot was a singular pop culture moment of my lifetime where everyone was on the same page even the people that go to the theater with their notebooks looking to take notes about how much they hate everything even the people who didn't know who Groot was people who didn't care about Marvel everybody who saw that movie uh felt you know I am Groot like I, I honestly feel like that was a a an amazing pop culture moment that you know, James Gunn and Vin Diesel and, and everybody else in that movie created. Yeah, I think I, but for me, see, that was more like a, you know, came out of nowhere. People were like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Um, the thing, the true test for me, uh, was when Marvel came out with Ant-Man, which had had yeah. some production problems and that got out and that's never really a good sign. People start, you know, uh, uh, chanting death nails to the genre just because of that. Um, and well, then and people were actively wanting it to fail. That was the first one where there were like 
full-page internet articles about, oh, this is going to be the one. This is the one where Marvel's <laughs> going to blow it. Like that, that was the one where I really felt the backlash against Marvel's success. And not only did they not blow it, because the movie itself is fun and solid, but they, for those people that were like, you know what, I'm going to skip that one. I'm not really familiar with it. Ant-Man sounds kind of dumb. I'm not really, you know, I'm not feeling it. So I'm going to skip it, right? Mm-hmm. So they skip it. Then they watch Civil War. Now, if you've seen Ant-Man, the the inclusion of him in Civil War is unbelievable. Yeah. If you haven't seen Ant-Man, you're going to come out of Civil War and you're going to go, I want two things. I need to I can't wait for the Black Panther movie and I need to go rent Civil uh, Ant-Man. Yeah. Because 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 and, and so their ability to use these characters and build off of them and then make these movies right at the right time. I think Doctor Strange is another example where, you know, people didn't know if they wanted him or not. You know, he's had a troubled comic history. His series has been rebooted several times. And and so, you know, people like him, but they not a lot of people can tell you like, oh, my God, that Doctor Strange story or that arc by this creative team is unbelievable. Like he doesn't have that. And uh, so, you know, people don't know what to expect going in. Um, but yet. You know, he has a solid movie at the end. We are doing spoilers here, right? Yeah, yeah. Just for the listeners, we're going to talk about spoilers for any shows, movies, whatever we talk about. So uh, unless it's something that one of us feels like people just haven't experienced. But I feel like anybody listening has probably seen Doctor Strange at this point. Well, and even if uh, like I, I'm, you know, I can leave it kind of vague and just say like it's 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 key. It's an indicator by the end that he's going to step like he doesn't he doesn't go like this character isn't going to spend like be benched for an epi- uh, a couple of movies. He's not going to be like he's not going to have to go through a period where he's in the minor leagues on Agents of Shield for a season or something. He's going right to the big leagues and working with the big guys. Right. Like, the next time we see him is going to be in most likely Thor. And then, you know, after that, he's going to be interacting with everybody and he's ready to go like dressed just right out of the gate here. And that's that's something that they've kind of built upon. They did that with Ant-Man. They've done it with all the other uh, heroes that they've done. Uh, and, I, you know, it, when this all comes together in this huge uh, Avengers movie that, uh you know, is just going to seem, again, one of those things that's going to be, it seems impossible that they're going to be able to pull it off, but their their track record is just unbreakable. So you you have to believe they will turn. They and, will. And I'll say, as, as much as uh, I, I was concerned about Ant-Man, uh, not from a, oh, they can't do it perspective, but just from a, wow, there have been a lot of cooks involved in this, uh, the tone what is the tone going to be? I don't know. And it's not that I didn't have faith in it. It was just like, you know, this could be the one where they maybe have a misstep and it's not going to destroy the MCU, but it could be, you know, like, a, eh, we didn't quite get that one right, but they nailed it. Uh, and civil war to a certain extent was the same way because they had the largest cast that they dealt with. They had what, potentially could have been the most epic event that they've dealt with. Uh, and it was, but as they've done in the past, they took the ideas from the comic 
and translated them to the screen rather than trying to to do a literal adaptation of the Civil War story or of Age of Ultron. Uh, they just kind of took inspiration from the comics, which I love. I think that's the way to do it. And that's what they do with the characters as well. You know, these are not strict uh, portrayals of the comic book characters as we historically know them. They are the best sort of amalgams of the qualities of these characters. They're recognizable and they're adapted to be entertaining to a mass audience on the big screen. And I think they've done that very well. And Civil War, I mean, knocked it out of the park. But to to get into a little bit of detail about Doctor Strange, uh, I don't know, know, like you said, I know the character mainly from him popping in and out of other comics that I've been reading. Like when a magic thing comes up, Doctor Strange appears and, and, you know, makes his uh, love signs with his hands or whatever it is exactly. he does. Exactly. I got uh, this. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, I like magic stuff, but I didn't have any particular affinity for the character. Uh, but I, it's a, it's a Marvel movie. So I was in and I cannot tell you how delighted I was by this movie. It, the visuals, all of the world bending, uh, everybody's comparing it to Inception, and rightly so, because I, I think if Inception didn't exist, then we really would have been blown away by this movie. But there are, with that specific area of the magic, it's just too clear a comparison. But beyond that, you have the fact that they defined magic in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this movie, that it has trademarks, that we now have been trained to recognize when somebody's doing magic, you get that little sparky effect, that the almost like somebody flicked a torch, the way the ashes and the, and the sparks kind of fluttered around a little bit. Like, they created a new trademark for the MCU, uh, every, you know, you, you, by the end of the movie, you knew when magic was happening and the way that the sigils interacted with them. Uh, I particularly loved the Eye of Agamotto and the way that it did. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played the Prince of Persia video game or are familiar with it at all, but there's a device in that video game called the Sands of Time and it works exactly like the Eye of Agamotto did. And, and I'm probably mangling the pronunciation on that. Uh, but it works the same way, where you can stop time and run it back and then redo an event. And man, watching him not just, you know, rebuild the Hong Kong sanctum or whatever. But just the way that Benedict Cumberbatch was manipulating his hands and interacting with these incredible uh, sigils and images that they were using to represent the magic spells, man, that stuff was just mind-blowing to me. I, I just was thrilled every time magic was used in this movie. Yeah, I, and it's not, you know, a magic movie. I mean, it's not like you can say, you know, because magic's really like a big thing, especially with uh, young adults, you know, with the Harry Potter series and everything. And this is not that kind of magic. It's not like you can say, hey, if you like Harry Potter, you're going to like, you know, strange. right, right, right. Um, uh, because it's very much a Marvel interpretation of magic. Um, you know, it's kind of that, <clears throat> you know, if you've got science and you've got, uh, 
Science. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so you've you've got um, Iron Man, who really represents that more than anybody, and then Thor, which is kind of in the middle. Now we've been waiting to see the other side, right. right? The other balance, and now we've seen it. So it is interesting that you know that he's going to be interacting with Thor uh, in Thor's movie because I see now that the that there's a balance there between you know, and it should be really interesting because uh, you know you just you just imagine that if Strange meets uh, uh, Stark at some point, which they will, that you know they'll. <clears throat> fit right in with each other and and uh and work together on something and it'll be you know pretty awesome well and also you have to imagine the encounter where stark meets strange for the first time and is told that he's a sorcerer and says well that's a bunch of bullshit right right like the skepticism will for sure enter into it and be very entertaining yeah it's his it's just a science that he hasn't discovered yet right right, right. And, and 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 in a way strange takes that journey for Tony in this movie. Yes. Like, I mean, cause there's very, a lot of similarities between him and Tony. I mean, Marvel wasn't that innovative with, you know, I mean, yeah, a lot of their yeah, characters yeah. are, you know, wise ass guys that get their comeuppance when they get powers and stuff, you know, that kind of thing. But, well, but, um, and so there's a lot of similarities there, but, but by the same token, you do see that, um, that strange is his own character. There's a lot of things. One thing I love in particular about, Doctor Strange that they I don't know if this is actually true in the comics, but I don't care. I like the <laughs> fact that in the movie they made him like another certain doctor character, which I know you and I uh, love a lot and that he solved the problem without killing. Yes, that I was I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things I definitely wanted to talk about. And I just thought that that was, you know, I mean, he. He, that's why it wasn't just a, you know, it wasn't just his ego. It wasn't just, I mean, the fact that he kept emphasizing, I'm a doctor, mm-hmm. <laughs> a doctor, not a bricklayer. I, I'm took, a doctor. I took an oath. Yeah, I took an oath and I'm going to protect people, not kill them. Um, and, uh, you know, the solution that he solves, which is unique, um, it, you know, he's willing to take one for the team for eternity. Um, and that's, I really like that. I, some people I know uh, thought that there should have been some big bang, uh, big battle at the end or something like that. No. And I was I was like, you no. know what? I was really happy we didn't get that here because, you know, we've seen that before. This was this makes Strange unique and and vital to whatever's going to happen in the future with these movies. Well, one, that scenario is a parallel with the doctor that you were mentioning before. Because he underwent a very similar trial uh, as far as the the over and over and over again. Yes. Uh, and then two, I was uh, metaphorically pumping my fist throughout the climax of this movie more than any big battle scene, more even than the end of... Uh, Iron Man 3 with all of the armors more even than the end when giant like to me it was so much more exciting that strange had outsmarted his opponent yes that I I was sitting in the theater literally just like yes this is amazing ah I I was so (laughs) thrilled I loved it I was delighted by the end of the movie 
let me ask you this. Who, uh, all right, who, who guess who my favorite character was in the movie based mostly on their storyline progression? Uh, well, that's a, um, I, hmm, I don't know. I, uh, obviously, uh, Strange is the guy, the main guy, and he's pretty compelling as far as, uh, you know, um, being the lead guy in the, in the movie. Um, I would have to say that maybe it was, uh, I can't, I'm trying to think of his name here. Uh, Mordo? Yes. Oh my gosh. As, as, uh, Strange's story, uh, it was told very well, but it's kind of the same story we've seen a lot of times before. Right. Um, and I felt that this isn't really the humor or the story so much as it is, as it is the tone that sometimes it was a little too glib. Like there, there were too many quips. There were too many funny little moments. And, and I understand they throw that in cause you've, you've got to have that mass appeal, but the, not everybody needs to wisecrack all the time. Not everybody needs to be a jokester. And I will say that that was one thing that I, I'm not saying that I, I, I'm not, it's not a critique of the movie, right? but it's not the strange that I grew up with. Like the Dr. Strange that I grew up in the Marvel universe in the comics was not quippy. Like right, he, right, was, right, he, right. Was, he was all like serious. I mean, you know, whenever, it, whenever, cause usually when he got involved, that means like shit was real. Right, so, right. So it was like, he's like, Oh, I got to save you guys again from whatever magic, stupid thing you guys uh, yes. did. Yes. Yes. This book that you open that you weren't supposed to open or whatever. Well, that's know? why uh, the times that Doctor Strange has interacted with like Howard the Duck or whatever have been so effective because Strange is that stoic, very serious, no-nonsense guy that ends up having to deal with some nonsense that Howard has caused. Yeah. I, I, I used to – I mean the the only Marvel book that I read with any regularity and still do is Spider-Man. So mm. – Obviously, the same kind of thing. Yes, Whenever yes. you know Spider-Man would be dealing with something, and Strange would be like warning him, "Don't get involved with that, Peter, because that's going to be bad." And right. he'd be like, "Oh, I have to do it anyway." And you know, and Stephen's got to bail him out. So, and, and look, I'm not saying they even made the wrong decision by making him a, a funny guy, because you do have to draw the audience in. He does have to be relatable. Um, you know, I get it. It just. It, I didn't, I didn't love it, but I get it. But Mordo, his story to me was the most powerful story of the movie. Well, it's so rare that we get development with a villain in a Marvel movie. No shit. So, so Casilius certainly didn't get a whole lot, did he? No, none of them do. Ugh. So we, 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 you know, Loki does, but Loki was in four movies, right? Uh, you know, um, well, uh, and Mordo is to a certain extent being set up in the same way that Loki was. In some ways, I really look at this. I, you know, I was kind of thinking after I came out of there. Um, actually, you know, after I, I think slept on it for a bit, I was thinking, man, this. You, if you took this same exact plot, stripped away all the magic, stripped away like this, that, and the other thing, and just took the basic, basic plot of this movie. I'm like, this is what the best Green Lantern movie should have been. 
Yes. I mean, you get yes. this like cocky guy who comes into some powers, some visually amazing powers that yeah. should have wowed us all in the theater. And then and you instead have instead of a giant Hot Wheels track. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And 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 you know, with a uh, you know bald uh, overlord uh, that's t- telling him what to do that shouldn't be, et cetera, whatever. <laughs> and I, and a guy who is training him that eventually will turn on him and become his biggest villain. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, if you kept it that simple, then the world would be sad because we'd be talking about the fourth Green Lantern movie coming out next month instead of how wonderful uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds was as Deadpool. Well, and th- <laughs> think because about... Because it would have worked. Think like, it about... Just, the- they made it too complicated when they made that movie and they messed up. This movie didn't mess it up. What what made Mordo work so well was he's not wrong. Yeah, well, he's, nobody's wrong. Right. He he's he's <laughs> been betrayed. I mean, Which, he his perspective may be slightly skewed from our from our protagonist point of view, but from Mordo's point of view, from his life experience, everything he believed in was a lie. Yep. And, I mean, that's powerful, man. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the actor's name, uh, hmm. but he was fantastic. I, I enjoyed him throughout the movie. Uh, I think they all were. Uh, oh, they they really were. I, I, and actually, um, uh, Rachel McAdams as Christine Palmer was particularly a standout. I love her, but their character didn't have a lot to do. I don't know anything about her. Wow. She's been in uh, the Sherlock movies uh, with, um, uh, (laughs) not the Sherlock movies with Benedict Cumberbatch, but Uh, the ones with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, She uh, was in the second season of True Detective. She's the only thing worth watching in that, uh, except for a very creepy Rick Springfield. Um, and uh, and and she's been in um, a few other things. I just I just love her. I think she's really great. And I did think that their character was kind of flat. Uh, it's probably out of all the characters uh, in this, I I, I thought she was uh, the flattest. But then this is not a romantic story, and that no. was kind of refreshing too. And that's that what wasn't... I liked about it is she right. she didn't tolerate his nonsense. Like she right. she cared about him. And she wanted to take care of him, but when he pushed her away, she said, oh, "Fuck you, I'm out of here." Yep. And I liked that. Uh, that was uh, that. That was good stuff. I, I I wouldn't say that her character was flat. I would say that she was a very interesting character, surrounded by much more interesting characters. Like she wasn't part of the world of magic, so. Obviously, she's not as, you know, she doesn't draw your eye as much right. as Strange or Mordo or, or, uh, Caecilius, which I'm so proud of myself for being able to remember his freaking name. <laughs> Me too, man. Caecilius and the Zealots. Uh, but anyway. She, uh, she, she really ties the, she's, she's the representative of Earth, you know, yes, like yes. the non, the, the muggles, so to speak. You right. Know, she's, she, she's the anchor, but not in a negative way. Absolutely. And apparently in the future may be a a parallel night nurse to uh, the incredible, most perfect human being on the face of the earth, Rosario Dawson's night nurse. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, sure. 
so real quick, let's, let's, uh, just real quick, uh, final thought about strange. Cause I do want to move on to some other stuff. Uh, the, I'll, uh, I'll just the, say it, it surpassed my expectations. Uh, I love it. I can't wait to see it again. I'm hoping to see it again in 3d in the theater, uh, because I've heard good things. Uh, I saw it in 3d and I definitely recommend it. Uh, much like the way you convinced me to see, uh, the, um, Mad Max movie, uh, Fury Road in 3d. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually a good mutual friend of ours, uh, the award-winning Bobby Nash was the one who told me to see this in 3d. So I was like, wow. And not only was I sold on seeing this in 3d, but they had trailers, 3d trailers for rogue one guardians of the galaxy two and a couple other things. And oh, I was like, nice. man, now I have to see those in 3d because damn it. They're just look spectacular. You're right. So, right. Right. So, um, uh, so that was awesome. Um, no, I agree with you. This is a solid film of the franchise of the, of the, you know, uh, Marvel studios is consic- uh, consistently knocking it out of the park. And as far as moments goes, like I said, I wasn't a huge Dr. Strange fan, but, uh, uh, as a kid or whatever, growing up and reading the comics, but even I geeked out when with authority, not the first time when he kind of accidentally puts on the, the red cloak, but when authority, when he whips it around and he kind of, uh, has that moment, you know, where he's, um, just the, he, he is Dr. Strange at that yeah. point. Yeah. Not quite Sorcerer Supreme yet, but he's, he's there and you're like, you know, it's it's like, holy shit, that's that's Doctor Strange. Yeah, oh, yeah. They 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 did it again. He's got the eye. He's got the cloak. He looks right. And it's worth pointing out the end, at the end of the movie, he's still not the Sorcerer Supreme. No, and that's good. Yeah. There is some there is some thought that maybe in the in the scene before the credits he might be by that point because he's wearing the gloves and he right. seems a lot more commanding. Right. Uh, so it's possible there's a jump, but. You know, hopefully we'll get to see that rather than not, because, uh, yeah, I mean, he's the guy. We know he's going to be the guy because, you know, he's Dr. Strange. for crying uh, yes. So so um, but um, if you want to uh, move off that real quick, I just want to go on a slight like in a related note, uh, since we're talking about Marvel characters, uh, especially on the dark side that I am just absolutely loving. Um, Dr. Strange is there. And it and I love how it kind of opens the door, maybe even wider, because uh, I I've always been a big fan of the Midnight Suns and uh, and that kind of the monsters of Marvel uh, and uh, in particular Ghost Rider. And I have to say, you know, you, people can say what they want about Agents of Shield, and I I do think that it's weak in spots. But this season with with Ghost Rider, I am in heaven. Like that, like when I see him with the 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 yeah, it's CG, but with the skull and the chains of fire, I I'm just a a, a geeky kid again. That stuff has been amazing. And recently they had an episode which kind of revealed his origin. And I I I don't I know people are kind of like, well, he's not Johnny Blaze, he's not even Danny Catch, but you know what? He's Ghost Rider and. It feels like Ghost Rider, and he's a badass. And I think, you know, you can argue about whatever else that show does or does not do right, but they've treated Ghost Rider really well. That, that's absolutely perfect because this is on my list uh, to discuss. <laughs> I, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm, I'm hot and cold on. I'm either absolutely loving it and blown away and entranced, or I'm falling asleep. 
it, it is a very unsteady show for me, for, for what I want out of a show. Uh, but this season, I have been 100% on board with. I love the story of the scientist messing with the Darkhold. Uh, wow. without, without getting too spoilery, I love the, cause the last episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, I think if you have not been watching this season, I believe you could watch just this last episode and get on board, but I highly recommend you go back and watch the whole first of the season. I think this is maybe the seventh episode or so, sixth or seventh maybe. Could be. Something in that range. But my gosh, this episode, and this is the thing, if you want to just watch this last episode, which I think is just called Ghost Rider, you can't, but you're going to miss out on the build to this payoff. And this is one of the things that I feel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does so very well. Sometimes they take a, too, take a little too long with the build, but when they do pay off, it is almost always immensely satisfying. And this episode was a case of that with the origin of Ghost Rider that... I didn't know what I was expecting because I don't, I don't know Robbie's comic book story. I don't either. Uh, the only thing I can tell you is when he first showed up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he's driving a car. I don't like that. He's, <laughs> he's got this stylized, like graffiti looking skull. I don't like that. But as the show goes on, the character is so good. And what they do with Ghost Rider and with Robbie is so good that I start to not care about the fact that he's in a car and I start to not care about the fact that his skull looks stupid. And then in this most recent episode, when they give the origin, none of it matters anymore because they tell the story so well that if you weren't invested before, which I was by this point, then you are now. And the twist with the Darkhold story was fantastic because I didn't see it coming at all. Did you, I didn't either. Did you see that? Nope. No. Okay. I did not. I no. I did I, not see that I, I coming. I sat and... up. I sat up on the couch and said out loud, "Holy shit!" <laughs> well, I sat up in the episode when when Ghost Rider broke out of the containment. Yes. Oh, I, I knew thought, it was coming, though. I knew it was coming, dude. I, I knew was that like, was coming, too, but I was like, I'm like, you guys are going to see it. You know, guys are going to see it. This is going to be the most badass thing that's ever happened on this, this show. This is nothing you people have dealt with. <laughs> right. Your right. little your little box was built to contain inhumans and, right. and, and powered uh, homo sapiens. This is <laughs> magic, motherfuckers. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why I was like, and when he finally broke out, because yes. you know, they were all like, they were all like, nope, it's going to keep him in. It's yeah, going to, yeah, yeah. it's kept out worse than him, of course, yeah. you know, and they've had huge power sets in those boxes. So but I get, this is you know, fucking hellfire. Right. Right. So he bursts out and I was like, I, I think I was the happiest I've ever been on that show. Cause if they had contained him, I would have been so disappointed. Oh, how much of a, but they, the way that they built it though, there, cause they said like three times, nope, yes. no way, yeah. <laughs> no sir. And not then, happen. 
he charges out and proceeds to beat the shit out of the new director, right. which I was like, this is awesome. Like, I look, I don't, the new director is the new director. I don't hate him and don't like whatever. I don't have but, and I know he's, him, I know he's got a power set so he can, he can take it. Right, right. And, and, and I was just like, this is, this is Ghost Rider. Like the people that are, eh, you know, you can get hung up on that stuff. I love the car. I love the car. I don't, I don't want to see another bike. I've seen two bikes. Like, you know, let's do something different. The car, I, I love the car. I love yeah. the fact that it's a, you know, and, and, and other elements of it too. I, I like, um, I, I'm kind of interested in picking up the comic to see if it's worth anything. Cause I'm not familiar with Robbie and I've I, heard I, that it's very good. I, I would like to, to check it out because, uh, certainly, you know, they'd be doing everybody a disservice if they didn't come out with a trade right now. My only, yeah. And I and I geek out because every night because they say you know every time I watch them they say dark hole I'm like I never thought I'd hear that on TV um, <laughs> um, but you know uh, my you know unfortunately I think this seems like it's going to be a half season story like I don't see Robbie staying around for the whole season unless right. they run into something that they need his power set. But um, I could definitely see them going, you know, in a different direction for the second half of the season, in which I will be very sad. But, you know, uh, look, if Doctor Strange is a big hit, and it seems to be, and Ghost Rider was a big hit on the show, which he seems to be, you know, oh, man, a Midnight Suns TV show of some kind somewhere would thrill me to no end. Well, here's the thing, is what happened in this episode upended everything. And I don't feel like there's a way to tie it up neatly. Like, it felt like, well, we're not at the mid-season, but it felt like the mid-season finale. Which is another thing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is very good at, creating big event episodes where you're like, holy shit, are we already 11 episodes into the season? And you're not. But... They've tied up a lot already. All they have to do is a is a confrontation between Robbie and the bad guy. But we don't uh, know what we don't know what happened mean. to May. We don't know what happened to Colson. We don't know what happened to anybody. Like they could have another because last season with uh, oh, saying, yeah. with uh, I can't remember which one is Fitz and which one is Simmons. Simmons is the girl, right? Yes. Okay. With Simmons on the all the alternate planet that took up several episodes and ended up being, I thought, a great story. I liked it. Um, and that we could have a similar situation here, not necessarily you know where they're in an alternate dimension or whatever, but where what happened in this past episode happened, and then we have this this sort of sideline thing for the next few episodes, and then we come back like there's there they set up a lot. Of storytelling possibilities, they changed what we thought was happening in the show to something else. And I don't want to forget, as much as we're gushing over Ghost Rider, I don't want to forget about the other character development that's been going on in the show. I love what they're doing with Coulson um, and him not yeah. being, being the director. Better. Right. He's yeah. fine with it. Um, I love, I think Fitz and Simmons have had, now it's taken a while, but... Their character development over the course of this show has been think about Fitz now versus Fitz in the first season. Yeah, yeah. No, they're much better. Oh and, my gosh. Uh, they're they're the couple that you want to root for. Well, and they've grown. They have yeah. both actually grown and become 
different characters that are logical extensions of what they were before, given what they've been through. Like I'm really, every time I see them on screen, I'm impressed with, with what the writers have done with them. So, uh, any, any other agents of shield thoughts before we move on to, uh, other television goodness? Uh, no, it's just been good stuff. Like I said, I'm, I'm hoping it continues. And like you said, it, it could open the door, but then again, I could see them easily just all getting up and, then it's just Robbie versus the bad guy. He defeats him, and then they move on. Because they've been, like, you know, building up this other Inhuman storyline, too. So I got a feeling that's going to take up the second half. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I'm not interested in seeing more Inhumans on TV or in comics, but, you know, whatever. That's what the show is. Uh, so. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, and, and the show is, you know, the show is doing a fair job of it, uh, To you know, to be honest. All right. Yeah, yeah. We're... Uh, we are going to have to shelve DC TV talk because I'm planning on doing a full episode on that once we hit the mid-season break. But I do want to throw three shows at you and see if you're watching them and if you're not to gush about them a little bit. Ash versus Evil Dead, oh my goodness. Westworld, and The oh. Exorcist. Okay, I haven't seen The Exorcist. I know that you've been pushing it on your show, and I, I, it's one of those ones that I'm like, man, I really need to make time for this. Um, but I just, I just haven't been able to. It, so that is, my, I won't tell you a thing about it. It is my favorite show of the new season. Uh, do not, don't look into it at all. Don't look anything up. Don't know anything about. It. Just go into it blind if you can. Yeah, it's it's definitely on my radar. Um, it's just a matter of you know yeah, know, getting know. getting yeah. So, um, but I, I I'm I'm excited that that's a good thing. I mean, most of the new I haven't got a chance to watch anything new apart from Westworld. So that's the only show that I've seen that made its debut like this fall. So everything else is just coming back, um, and that's what I've been concentrating on. So I. Uh, but I, from most of the new shows, uh, from what I've heard from various sources, they, they're not that great. So it's good to hear that one of them is, uh, but it's on Fox. So who knows what that is. Right. We'll be lucky if we get a first season Blu-ray. Yeah. So, um, but, um, no, I can talk, uh, Westworld and, uh, and Ash versus the Evil Dead all night long because those have both been outstanding. Let's, let's touch on Ash versus Evil Dead first because I think we can cover that a little more quickly. Uh, I, really all I want to say about it is the first season uh, didn't necessarily let me down, but it wasn't everything I thought it could be. Um, I, I didn't love it like I wanted to love it. This season has taken that and I don't want to say apologize, but it's made up for it 10 times over. I think, uh, first of all, uh, the first episode was amazing. Uh, it was, um, directed by Sam. It had an energy that to it that felt like authentic yes, evil yes. dead, uh, ash army of darkness kind of stuff like that set the tone, right? I did feel like after that, there was a little bit of a drop. And uh, I was kind of disappointed in um, Lucy, Lucy Lawless's character and where that ended up um, throughout the show. And I wasn't sold on his on his two kid companions either. But by the end of it, I was okay. Uh, 
so by the end I was like, okay, this was decent. Uh, it wasn't embarrassing. Now I've been a big fan of all of that stuff since it came out, even though I'm not a big horror guy, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that franchise. Sure. And, and I have read many, many, many army of darkness, evil dead to evil dead comics, continuations, storylines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And without trying to offend anybody who worked on those fine books, <laughs> I just was not satisfied at all. I, I agree were, with you. Oh, I, 100%. I awful. And I thought, well, God, is there anything? I mean, can you not do anything with Ash? Like, is it just is is the only people that can do them those 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 three guys? Those Let me four tell you, guys? real real quick, uh, the one out of all of the unlikely, ridiculous things, the one uh, licensed tie-in, whatever Evil Dead follow-up that I enjoyed was. Uh, Danger Girl, Army of Darkness, or whatever it was called. I haven't read that. One. That is the only one that I huh. felt got the tone right, which makes sense if you think about it. Because yeah, Danger yeah. Girl has always been very tongue in cheek, very sure, over the sure. top. Yeah. And I felt like it was the only one that nailed the character of Ash and the circumstances that he gets into. Everything but- else, man, I, ju- I have not read a good one yet. Yeah, and they've had they've tried. I mean, they had a female Ash. They had this, that, the other. The Ash met Dracula. Ash met this, that, and the other thing. Whatever you know, they've tried, uh, but it just it just fell flat. And and I thought, well, you know, obviously, when I heard they were doing the movie or the show uh, originally, I was like, well, I'm glad because you know, anytime Bruce Campbell's on the screen, I'm going to be happy. Uh, yes. and, and 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 with this character, like you know, it was made. It, that's why I said the first episode, the premiere of the first episode and the first season was so important to set the tone and go Ash is back. Yes. And, and, and so we got that throughout most of, you know, throughout the first, I think the, the, I don't know if any of the comics have ever tried this before, but I've never seen it before, but whoever came up with the idea of Ash returning home, brilliant because that opened up so much possibilities. And that's, what's been so much fun this second season. Yes. Ash is coming home to a community that views him as a serial killer and and it's just been so much fun. It has. It's been nonstop because the first season, uh like you said, first episode was spectacular. Um and then it it definitely hit at its moments, but it wasn't long. a home run. Yeah. yeah, it it was it went down from there. And then I think it came back the last two episodes uh, I, I ended up enjoying, uh, and then it kind of ended on a shaky note, but yes. this season has <laughs> just been on fire. <laughs> and, and one thing I, I absolutely love, I don't remember them doing that this much this season, but they've made it a point that, uh, they are going to drown someone in some, uh, obnoxiously <laughs> yes. toxic liquid in every episode. <laughs> yes. Like you just... You, it, it, it's not. I mean, you're sure there's a bit of gore to it, but it's almost ridiculous in the fact that you're just like, after a while, you can't help but feel for the actors because they're just sitting there and or doing their thing, and man, gushes of blood or or bile or whatever gross uh, substance they can come up with, uh, if they're just drowning in it, and uh, they're they're going to be tasting it for weeks. Well, uh, and, and, I, and it's been been so fun to see. 
to see that because it's just a, something that you just sort of look forward to now. Like with every episode, you know someone's going to get it. Well, and that's part of the franchise. I mean, part of the part of the legacy of the Evil Dead movies is how badly they abused Bruce Campbell and how much yes. goo they covered him with and beat him up. And now it's not know, just him, right? Pablo got it this past episode <laughs> yes getting yanked all over the place banged up against the fences and it was just like those old <laughs> outtakes of bruce campbell you know just getting beat up uh and and it's just been fantastic uh, nothing i don't know that anything will ever top uh the the intestinal butthole attack <laughs> But oh, man, no. oh no, not that. Yeah, it's it's been I, so so. Yes, Ash versus Evil Dead season two uh, came back stronger than I ever would have believed possible. Lee Majors is amazing. Oh my gosh! Well, he was amazing. He was amazing. <laughs> uh, so Westworld. Wow, Westworld. This, go from that to Westworld, right? Well, this deserves its own episode, so let's let's not get too deep because it will get its own episode. I think once the series wraps up, we'll come back and revisit it. Uh, yeah, we've already uh, kind of put that on our calendar as well because uh, I. Oh, all right. So, Westworld. Simply put, uh, the, the fact that it's created. Well, obviously, it's you know stems from the Michael Crichton novel and and movie back in the 60s, 70s, whatever it is, and and. Uh, and, I've, and I was familiar with that. I, I don't know if I've – I think I've seen Future World at some point, but I, that one's more vague for me. I well, don't Westworld is one of my favorites um, because the as a kid growing up, my grandfather – my mother's father loved Westerns, mm-hmm. absolutely loved Westerns. And I loved science fiction ever since I was a very small child. And Westworld – was the intersection of those things, and we I watched that with him the first time that I saw it. And Yule Brenner, for me, will always be that robot. Other people know him as as uh, Kojak or, or whatever else, or as Blofeld <laughs> or whatever. He wasn't in those. Huh? He wasn't in those. Wasn't in what? He wasn't in either one of those. That was, was, you're, thinking of tell, you're thinking of Telly Savalas. Oh, I am thinking of Telly Savalas. What the hell was Yul Brenner? <laughs> Yul Brenner. Well, and one of the reasons why uh, Westworld it works for him is because he was coming off the success of Magnificent Seven, um, and you know he was in The King and I, and he did you know all sorts of musicals. And he was a very big talent, very big uh, movie star. Is that a list to be sure? He had like another. Gosh, I am just thinking of Telly Savalas. What an idiot! Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't uh, it wasn't Yul Brenner with the lollipops. Who oh, loves my you, baby? Gosh. Um, but uh, I will say that as good as that – and that movie is pretty cool, but it really is a simple, like, Disney gone wrong movie. It's not like sure. – I mean, it's Jurassic Park, but with, you know, robots instead of – of because, uh, yeah, Michael Crichton would do the exact are, are same thing later Are you trying to say Crichton on. had a thing? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I will say that. Um, not to speak ill of the dead, uh, but uh, – but, so we take that concept and uh, Christopher Nolan – sorry – Jonathan Nolan, Christopher's brother, uh, Jonathan Nolan, who uh, worked with his brother a lot uh, on the Batman franchise and on uh, Prestige. Uh, I think he wrote Prestige. I think that was basically his. Uh, Also was the main showrunner behind a show that I loved, uh, Person of Interest. 
his wife is Lisa Joy. Lisa Joy uh, was a uh, writer and uh, producer of Burn Notice, another show which I love. Oh, wow. Okay. So you put those two together. Uh, Ed Brubaker, uh, I yeah. know you're familiar with that name. He is contributing as a producer and a writer on this show. The, the best and, Captain and- America, the best modern Captain America comics. Absolutely. Um, uh, the Winter Soldier stuff was just some of the best stuff I've ever read. Um, and you put that all together and man, you've got a show that dazzles you, intrigues you, uh, turns you on and makes you think. I mean, yeah, I, there, dude. there are, there are people that I talk to about this at work and, you know, we talk about, other shows we talk about you know like you know uh, i I don't know what shows and walking dead or whatever like who's uh gonna uh, who's gonna die who's gonna do this and how what do you think about what she's doing oh she's gonna cheat on this guy whatever and all that's like your typical like soap opera prime time show talk with westworld we talk and we're like you know oh i really thought that was kind of intriguing how they used like the whole video game violence thing to depict like you know whether or not that's uh it has influence on real life and i'm like or or the fact that you know the the way that the robots are learning self-awareness is the same way that humans first did became self-aware when they realized that the voice inside their head was them rather than god well um, and as an audience watching the show and seeing these things happen to the robots and thinking to yourself, ah, what, what do I care? It's just a robot. But then as the show goes on thinking, I, I do care. What I, yeah, is, I care. What is the difference? And it's, it's a theme that we've seen played out before in Battlestar Galactica sure. and, and things. But this show is proving to have depths upon depths upon depths of philosophy and human motivation and just plain action like it's combining so many different elements and look you, mike you know me i don't like to think but <laughs> this show compels me to think to examine it to wonder what's going on i pause it at least twice an episode to turn to my wife and say oh my gosh look at this new thing that's happening, like the uh, two weeks ago when we had our first kind of significant interaction with the two body repair guys that have become a larger part of the plot now. Yeah. Uh, and the the one bearded guy that looks kind of like Joss Whedon's older sketchy brother. <laughs> uh, and I had to pause it and say, oh, my gosh, now we're getting into just – uh, American workplace. Like this guy is a shitty employee. He should be. He he should have noticed something was wrong here before, and now that it's been pointed out, he doesn't care because he's just an employee who doesn't give a shit about his job because he's just another peon in this corporation that sees him as just another cog, like. And that's a storyline unto itself amongst everything else that's going on. And that's what this show is doing is like taking all of these characters and making them mean something within this grander scheme that's playing out. And the thing that blows my mind is, I mean, we all know Game of Thrones is ending. Game of Thrones has two more, two more truncated seasons and HBO 
by all reports, is looking to Westworld to be the new Game of Thrones, which means they have a plan beyond just this season. So whatever we're seeing now is just a tiny portion of whatever the larger story ends up being. But every single week, every single minute or quarter hour or whatever, this story keeps getting bigger. Yeah. I mean, what's amazing to me is that uh, we're getting so many different layers to this. It's not just, you know, um, bots at a park gone rogue. You know, it's it's we're getting um, we're getting different things that happen in different time periods uh, shown to us that we have to figure it out for itself uh, ourselves. It's not really being spoon fed to us. Yeah. We're getting, um, we're getting behind the scenes as far as what's going on and uh, by the employees and how life on the other side of this park, we're not sure exactly when it takes place, but you know, we're led to believe that it's just all paradise, but the way a lot of pe- these people, employees are treated, uh, is almost worse than the actual machines that they're uh, that they're using for the park. So it's it, it it opens up a lot of questions. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways they can go with this, and I'm glad that you know we got to that halfway point and it got it started to get a little bit convoluted. Like, oh my god, they've got like five or six different storylines going on here. I hope they start to kind of wrap, not wrap them up, but just sort of bring them together a little bit, move forward so we don't get, you know, because obviously the producers are thinking, we're going to have five years of this. We can take stretch this out. But in the last episode or so, I I could see them trying to move forward at a pace that I'm, I'm happy with. They don't, I don't want everything answered. Of course. I mean, there has to be some, some, uh, outlying story points for other seasons and i hope this does get a chance to go it hasn't been renewed for a second season yet and that kind of that can't happen soon enough in my opinion i i agree with that absolutely and my hope and, and this i find to be the best kind of storytelling is that many or most of the questions that we have now are answered but those answers lead to more questions yes Yes. That is where the most successful kind of storytelling comes in. And the thing to think about is this is just the first season of a larger world, of you know the intended replacement to Game of Thrones. So if you go back to the original, because the original Westworld I absolutely love. I still think it's a classic, and I watch it maybe not annually, but you know every couple of years at least. Uh, Future World... Not so much. Uh, it was under a different creative direction, and it feels much more dated uh, than Westworld does. I don't feel like it holds up as well. But, you know, if you remember, there were multiple worlds in oh, the yes. original movies. Yep. You had, uh, what did you have? You had Westworld. You had a movie. Uh, there was... There was like Roman world Roman or world Roman Greek or something like that. And then there was, yeah, there was the medieval, medieval. times thing. Yeah. Right. And then future world, which uh, was the sequel. And I think I'm trying to remember now if there was literally a future world or if that was just a description of what was left over after the catastrophe at Westworld before. But anyway, uh, and there's no doubt in my mind that this show will grow to encompass those other worlds at some point whether they exist now and we just don't know about them yet or 
whatever the case may be, there have to be plans for those because those were part of the original movie. And, and- I, I, I don't, I, you know, we'll see how I, I would love to see that, but obviously we'll see what, I mean, obviously they've given us so much that, uh, you know, to keep it simple sure, uh, at sure. this point with just one park, obviously just this one park, they've got uh, so many mysteries here that it, it's going to take a while for to untie this knot, which, and you had to kind of, even if, you know, all the, the creators that I mentioned before weren't working on this and you didn't know them from Adam or whatever, um, just the idea that Anthony Hopkins, who a few years ago said he was done, he yeah. was retiring, he was done. Somehow, well, I don't say somehow. I mean, he got he got Disney money to do Odin right, right. in the Thor movies, so so that was something that he was going to do. But I felt like if there was going to be a project, let alone a TV project, that was going to interest him enough to do, it had to be something of note and. Yes. And and it and it's certainly and I thought we were just going to see him eh, a couple times a season, you know, the little fifteen minute thing, like you know, oh yeah, I created it. You're on your own, thanks guys. But he's been an integral part, especially over the last two episodes, as as being a key figure. That I, I you know, I have to believe that maybe he's not long for the show. Like he'll do it the first season, then right, that, right. that'll be it. But but he's been you know, uh, he and everybody else has treated this so seriously. And sold it so well that when, you know, when they're on screen, uh, it's just captivating. Well, and, you know, not only do we have uh, Hopkins turning in the performance that he's turning in, but you've got Ed Harris, who is every <laughs> second he's on the screen just riveting, and James Marsden, who, to <laughs> me, is the man that made Cyclops interesting. Yeah, he's uh he's underutilized. Uh you know, he gets tagged with the pretty boy James Franco kind of stuff, I think all the time. A lesser, a poorer man's James Franco uh, if you yeah, will. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and I think he's being used really well here. Yes. The, the the especially the the last couple of episodes that is his character has turned a little bit. Um well, they, I feel like they manipulated his real world image for the sake of this character right they used it right. to their advantage yes. yes yes that vacuous pretty boy you know they they took that and they knew that that's kind of what he had and now we're seeing some really dark uh interesting stuff out of him and he's killing it absolutely they all are and you know obviously uh can't think of the guy's name the guy that plays bernard Solid guy, yeah, a solid actor. Um, uh, Fanny Newton is—I uh, haven't seen her for a while, but damn, she's she's putting in one hell of a performance as well. Um, you know, uh, and look, it's not easy. I mean, I, the the—I I was sort of laughing the other day with uh, the because uh, the actress that is—I uh, um, uh, can't remember her name now. The, Dolores. The, Dolores, thank you. So the actress that's playing Dolores, you know, uh, dream come true. She's got like a 15 minute and really awesome scene with just her and Anthony Hopkins. Actress's dream come true, right? And she's it's, naked. She's completely I naked. I had the same thought. Like I, I and not see... in a sexual way. No, no, not at all. Well, and that's just what's... like I'm sitting around naked yes. kind of way. And it's like, okay, so yeah, I get this important scene, but I have to do it naked, right? Yeah, I'm I'm very because uh, all of the, I own all of the seasons of Game of Thrones on Blu-ray because 
uh, even though you can watch them on demand if you've got HBO anytime you want, the extras on those Blu-rays uh-huh. are worth if if they sold just the extras without even the episodes, they're worth it. Uh, and I am hoping that Westworld gets the same treatment, and I look forward to an interview with that actress talking <laughs> about that scene because. Yeah. Uh, that's that was my same thought. Like, what? Hey, is mom, going... guess yes. what happened today? Guess right. what I got to do? <laughs> right, I got to have this incredibly intense, long scene with Anthony Hopkins and also nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Which, granted, they did sort of artfully. You know, if you notice, she is a bit more concealed than some of the other robots in their scenes. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, and and this show for the, for the ladies or the fellows of that bent. There is no shortage of dong in this show either. No, no. It's uh, an equally, equally opportune yes. uh, nudity show. As a matter of fact, last week's, I think it was last week's episode, they had a scene where they were trying to sort of reprogram a, a bartender. And I'll tell you right now, they were wasting his talents by making him a bartender. <laughs> he clearly had other assets available. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Westworld, if you're not watching it, you should be watching it. If you don't have HBO, uh, it gets the phantom guarantee. Go out, buy the Blu-ray when it comes out. It it is it's art on television. Absolutely, absolutely, it's uh, outstanding. The the best series um, that uh, you know. I can't say it's my favorite series, but it's so well put together that uh, I, I have to watch it, um, and I have to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I look forward. <laughs> I look forward to binge watching it. Yeah, because you can't just leave, especially knowing what we do now. Already, the first few episodes, the first half, you have to rewatch again just to go, oh, yes, yes. And I'm sure there's more to come with that. Like by the time we get to the very end, it's like, oh, now I got to watch it from the beginning and see, you know, all those times where it was repeating itself. Was it repeating itself? Right. And what did when did that? You know, what does that mean? And it's. It, the layers upon layers. I, I don't think I've seen a show done this well, this deep in a long time. And and for fans of video games, this there's a lot here that addresses like you know non-player characters and the loops that they live in and their existence. There's just so much going on here, and I think different viewers will get different things out of it. Absolutely, and I and I definitely think you know. I mean, we're talking about how deep it is and all this and that and the other thing. But I have to say, it's really accessible. Like, yeah, yeah. it's not it's not one of those things you're going to watch. And you're going to be like, "What the heck did I just see?" Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like it it you know it, it's you don't have to think hard about it, but you, you know? can. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's as deep as you want to go, at yes. least as far as I can tell. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, anybody that's been listening to this show for any amount of time knows that I am I am pretty broad. I am not a guy who breaks things down and has deep thoughts. And I, uh, you know, I enjoy Westworld on one level, but I also do, you know, it drives me to think about it. It makes me want to analyze it, uh, and, and give more thought to it. So yes, uh, two thumbs up from me for sure. Uh, Mike, I, I sounds like you agree. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we didn't, I think the, uh, any show, that I enjoy, it's because the characters first and foremost are compelling. Yes, and 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 it's certainly they. You know, it's not it's not dry. Westworld is not dry. Like it's 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 very compelling. The characters are good. You're gonna you know wonder what's going on occasionally, but 
you're always going to be there's always going to be someone there, a character there that you're going to be able to latch on to and go, this is kind of fun hanging out with this guy or girl. Well, before we wrap this thing up, I want to be sure we touch on something that unfortunately all too often gets kind of short shrift on the Needless Things podcast. Uh, just because there's so many now and it's so hard to keep track or, or keep people on the same page of discussion about them, I want to touch on a few comic books. Uh, just each of us can kind of maybe uh, list off a couple that are our favorites right now, a couple of things that are really engrossing or that we think might be good recommendations that are flying under the radar. Uh, j- just to wrap things up, I want to get some comic book talk in. What What are you reading right now that you're excited about? Um, well, one uh, company that I'm excited about, and I don't know if you're reading anything uh, from uh, from this company because they're relatively new, but I think in the short time they've been around, uh, I'm looking at some of their, their titles now and going, wow, they're soon doing some exciting stuff. Aftershock. I, that, I knew exactly what you were going to say, and no, <laughs> I have not read anything, but – since they started uh, soliciting in previews, I, I have mentioned their stuff several times, and they've, you know, if if it if I could buy every comic in the world, sure, sure, I'd be thrilled to be getting their stuff. But it's just one of those things where it's like, man, I, I get so much already. So, I, you're, I, so you're reading it. I am. I am. I am reading some of it. I, I've sure. actually. Um, uh, the stuff they're doing is not simple uh, superhero stuff. I mean, I think they've got some. Um, and tradi- right now, I pretty much just get most of my independent stuff through trade. I just can't yeah. really do uh, the uh, the month to month. But I have to tell you, um, as far as um, some, and now now the aftershock stuff, they they've been around for almost like a year now. So now some of their stuff is starting to come out in trade. So um, I picked up, uh, by Joe Pruitt, I picked up Black Eyed Kids, which is a really creepy horror flick, uh, horror story. Uh, the first, actually, trade of that, it looks like it's ongoing. And that I definitely recommend. If you if you like things that are creepy, um, uh, horror-based, uh, Black Eyed Kids should, should get you what you need. Um, I could see this, if this was becoming a, a movie or something, definitely has that John Carpenter feel to it. Um, uh, and, uh, it's the, um, the covers are by Francesco Francavia, not the, but the interior artwork's not that far removed from that kind of stuff. Okay. So it's, it's very dark and, you know, afterlife with Archie kind of stuff. Um, not as, I mean, afterlife with Archie is a different beast, uh, because it, it kind of plays on a lot of things that you, you, you feel bad about, you know, like, oh my God, the Archie kids are going through this horrible, like walking dead kind of thing. That this doesn't have that aspect to it because this is just a new thing. But apparently, Black Eyed Kids is a is a thing. Like I didn't yeah, know yeah. that that was a like like a myth or it's like an, an urban, urban myth. Yeah, urban legend kind of deal. Um, the other two I want to mention real quick uh, are American Monster by Brian Azzarello and artist Juan Doe. That's uh, pretty amazing. Uh, Dreaming Eagles, which is a uh, World War II Air Force story by Garth Ennis and uh, art by Simon Colby. And, uh, you know, you can't go wrong, in my opinion, uh, with Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. And they are writing a book called Super Zero, which is just, you know, it's fun. I mean, they, that's what they that's what Connor and Palmiotti bring to comics. Right. It's right. fun, fun comics. If, uh, if, if anybody's like familiar with do. 
if you like what they do with uh, Harley Quinn and some of the other stuff they've done with DC, you'll you'll enjoy this. It's right in that same vein. And and they're just, I mean, they've got an uber amount of titles now. I think uh, they've got, I don't know, close to 20, 25 titles now. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they've really been on fire to the point where I'm almost a little concerned because they've got some big name creators. They've got a lot of books coming out. And from from what I've seen, it looks like the books are are, are pretty nice. Like they're uh, they're on par with you know DC and Marvel's three ninety nine books. Like as far as the quality of the printing and everything. Yeah, there is a there is a superhero book that they're doing, written by Mark Wade uh, and Tom Pyre, and uh, with art by local Atlanta artist uh, Wilfredo Torres. It's one that I haven't checked out yet, but I probably will do that eventually. I like Mark Wade's stuff, and I'm a big fan of uh, Torres's art, so I'll probably check that out as well. And actually, all of their books look interesting and good, but you know you have to kind of do what you have to do with yeah, yeah. budget and budget and all that kind of stuff. So those. Those are ones that, uh, off the top of my head, I would say check out, but, you know, give them a check out. I, I do know that, um, I don't know if it's still going on, if it was just through October, but they had some sort of sale where they were doing like 50 or 60% off their sale, like trades or their books on their site or something. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, check out aftershock.comics and, you know, just uh, go to town and, and, and see if you, um, you'll probably see something you like if, you like comics, and, and if you're looking for something outside of the big two. Well, I, as we all know, I mostly stick to the big two, uh, but I do want to point out a couple of, of very special books that I've been enjoying a lot lately. Um, Howard the Duck by Chip Zdarsky huh. and Joe Huinones. Now, is that, is that, did that recently end? It did, and it broke my heart that it did. Now, I, I say it broke my heart. Uh, but, uh, you know, on one hand it did, but on the other hand, I'm kind of glad because it went out perfectly. Uh, whenever Marvel publishes the omnibus collecting this run, which because Marvel does a bunch of stupid, annoying stuff now, uh, <laughs> th- there's Howard the Duck, like one through six and then one through 13 or something like that. But it's all the same story arc because Marvel has stupid events that break everything up. Uh, but whenever Marvel publishes an omnibus of Chip Zdarsky and Joe Quinones, Quinones, whatever it is, uh, Howard the Duck, buy it. It's fantastic. It's fun. The places where it does tie into Marvel's big stupid events, it does so in a very tongue-in-cheek manner that does not require any knowledge of those events. Uh, and it features an appearance... Uh, by everybody's favorite American girl. Oh, shit. <laughs> Clearly she's my favorite because I can't remember her name right now. Leah um, Thompson? Uh, yes, Leah Thompson. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you, Mike Gordon. That's why you're on the show. <laughs> uh, yes, Leah Thompson guest stars in the Howard the Duck comic book, and it is amazing. Uh, it's just a really fun comic that pokes a lot of fun at, com- at uh, you know how comics are published nowadays at Marvel. But it's not that annoying, snarky, uh, making fun of things. It's, it's very clever and good humored and that sort of, yeah, some things aren't great, but we still love what we love anyway. Like it's, it's a very affectionate sort of 
poking fun. I, I just, I absolutely love this book, man. And I, I'm sad that it's over, but it's one of those things where it ended without a missed step. So you have this perfect run of comic books, which is not something that happens very often. Uh, and then also from Marvel, Spidey, which is written by, oh my gosh, my research is so bad. Robbie Thompson, uh, I believe is writing Spidey, uh, covers by Nick Bradshaw, interior art by a number of different artists, including Nick Bradshaw at the beginning. And they are, each issue is a self-contained Spider-Man story. Uh, there is, there is an overarching story, but it's not, it's very old school. You can pick up any issue and enjoy it. Each issue is a different bad guy. Uh, there's one with Scorpion, one with the Green Goblin, one with Dr. Octopus, and there is a build, but they're very, they're family friendly. There is no profane or questionable content whatsoever. These are family-friendly comics with with consistent, uh, beautiful comic book art, and it's just a fun read. And unfortunately, I read the twelfth issue tonight, and the end page said to be concluded. So there's not. I mean, there is a major story arc, but I don't see how the whole thing can be wrapped up in one issue. But I hope this book isn't getting canceled as well. Because my son and I both read it and we both love it. And it's one of the few comics that we kind of can share because so much of what the big two publish now or so much of what everybody publishes now is not family friendly, including the newest Scooby-Doo comic. But that's a whole other bone of contention for me. (laughs) Uh, So Spidey, highly recommended. Uh, A lot of Marvel's Spider-Woman, Spidey, Silver Surfer, Howard the Duck, a lot of their sort of standalone type books are some of my favorite comics right now. Uh, meanwhile, I'm not reading any of their Avengers or X-Men, which I think is very telling. Uh, but the last thing I want to mention, and Mike, I'm sure you read this as well, which is uh, which is why I think it's a good place for us to sort of uh, wrap this thing up, is Night of the Monster Men. Uh, I have not read it yet. What? I know. My I'm way Gordon, behind. It's a Batman I'm, I'm, comic. I'm, I know. I'm way I'm 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 kept up to date with Batman and You're I'm kept busy. up to date with All Star, but you're Detective too busy kinda... reading Aftershock. Yeah, they got uh, they got uh, yeah. It was one of those things that I I really wanted to do. Like it was one of my Halloween reads it, or whatever. It I'm is. Like... It so is. And I love the fact that it's something from the past. I mean, the Monster Men yes. were like right there from Batman's early Golden Age. Well, and and, uh, and then you had Matt Wagner retell it. Oh yes. With that oh my gosh, fantastic. I mean there there is a legacy of quality and significance with the Monster Men. Yeah. I, I I know, shame on me. This new crossover, in my opinion, carries it forward and updates it in a very satisfying manner. Uh it crosses over three comics, Detective Comics, Nightwing, and uh Oh shoot, what's the other one, Mike? It's Batman. Oh, is it just Batman? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's Batman. I was, I was thinking it was something else, but I couldn't, it, it wasn't Batgirl or anything like that. So anyway, uh, it's, it's two issues of three comics. It's a six issue story. It is self-contained. The art, this is the important thing to me. The art is consistent across all six issues. That's good to hear. Even though it's going across three different comic books, 
There's no breakup in the style like you often have in things like this. Like when they publish this as a trade, it will be like a standalone graphic novel. Uh, there's no, there, there's a little bit of continuity and that you, you sort of need to be aware of what Batman has been doing with the team from Detective Comics. But at the same time, it's no different than starting another story arc, you know, back in the day. It's, it right. is very self-contained. Uh, and, and I love it. And if you didn't read it, pick up the trade when it comes out or pick up the hardcover or whatever. I honestly feel like DC dropped the ball because it, the story concluded before Halloween. I feel like if DC had been on point, they could have gotten a collection out for the week of Halloween. Uh, and yeah. cashed in, but they didn't. And there is, I, I want to say the trade or the hardcover was offered in the most recent previews. Uh, but whenever you can find it at your local comic shop, even if you're not reading the current run of rebirth stuff, which, uh, now I'm not reading everything, but there's been more good than bad, uh, from rebirth from what I've read. But even if you're not reading that stuff, this is a great Batman story. I, I loved it. I, I really did. I, I'm. This is one I'm excited to spread the gospel about. I am. Uh, I am glad to hear that. It is on my list. Uh, to be honest, the only, the only monthly uh, rebirth books that I've got a chance to read lately have been. I've been uh, reading All Star Batman and Wonder Woman, and I've been in loving both of those. So. Oh, interesting. So I'm, uh, I'm reading All Star Batman, and I, I love it. And this is coming from somebody who has not loved Scott uh, Scott Snyder as consistently as you have. Uh, but I think All-Star Batman is fantastic. I think that it has allowed Scott Snyder to do what he's best at by being out of continuity, by being a story with a definitive beginning and end. Uh, I'm, right. I just, I, I've really been enjoying it. I love... Uh, the updates that they've been doing to certain characters, it's, it's been very successful to me. Uh, Wonder Woman, I ended up dropping. I, hmm. I, and I love Greg Rucka, but I, I just, I just wasn't loving it. I wasn't feeling it. And that's, you know, that happens sometimes. You, yeah, just, yeah, no, I get it. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, one of the standouts for me is Deathstroke. I got the uh, first one and I enjoyed it, uh, but it's one that I'll be getting in trade. Yeah, and and that's yeah, it, it, I understand that, uh, but uh, that's one that's top of my stack, even over uh, Detective, which I think Detective is my favorite of the Rebirth titles, but Deathstroke, man, it has. I just love what Priest is doing with the character. Uh, it's it's very very good, uh, and it really feels like he hasn't. Uh, the last thing I read by Priest was his Black Panther run, which I loved, mm -hmm. and uh, it it feels like like that sort of energy is back with him and in this book. Well, and it's interesting because the guy's been writing comics uh, since the eighties, sure, and a lot of guys who've been doing it that long feel stale or dated or like they've lost a step, but Deathstroke is just as relevant, just as, uh, uh, action packed and, and paced. Well, actually I, I would argue it's better paced than a lot of stuff out now because it moves along. There is no decompressed storytelling going on here. Uh, it's a very successful book. I highly recommend it, uh, for anybody that's, that's kind of curious about rebirth or just wants to read a good, uh, villain comic, and it's not an anti-hero comic. It's a villain comic. 
uh, check out Deathstroke. Definitely. Awesome. Any other comic thoughts, Mike? Um, well, like I said, I'm woefully behind, so that's about, you know, (laughs) I have really, I'm, I'm just, uh, trying to, uh, get through my, my stacks. Well, that being the case, let's wrap this thing up. Mike Gordon, where can we find you online? Well, you can find me, of course, on all the social media stuff. You can find me at Earth Station One, uh, the Earth Station One podcast, ESOpodcast.com, ESONetwork.com. Uh, I've got them on two shows on that network at least. Uh, this week I'll be on four, actually. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, because I, uh, I recorded um, uh, Adam and JP recently celebrated their 200th episode, so I was on that for a little while, hanging out with them. And then um, I was on uh, Earth Station DCU. Uh, they were celebrating 75 years of Wonder Woman, so I was on, oh, on sure, the show sure. uh, celebrating that with them. And uh, But you can always find me weekly on Earth Station 1 as well as uh, Earth Station Who. Is, that's more of a bi-weekly thing. And then uh, my own stuff, uh, you know, Tiki Zombie's doing really well, um, and we're working on the fourth issue. So uh, I'm, I'll be very excited to uh, to hopefully have that debut early next year. And uh, to follow up with that, as well as any other of my nonsense, you can go to newlegendmike.com or newlegendproductions.com. Awesome. Mike, thank you so much for taking part in the first installment of Mike Check, <laughs> which would have been really awkward if you weren't here. <laughs> and uh, we will talk to you again sooner than later. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you, man. Okay, I don't want to make this too much of a serious fluffy serious oreo podcast thing uh i'll just say that hate is no way to respond to fear and it seems like fear and hate is all we have right now and we've got to move past it and uh like i said they're controlling us they're happy when we're hateful and scared amongst ourselves and uh we got to cut that out and get together on the same page And one way to get on the same page is to go to supportphantom.com. Yeah, that's right. I'm crass. But, hey, I've got a podcast to support uh, while also hopefully putting forward a message of peace and love, which is not anything I ever thought I would say. But like I said, I'm upset by everything that's going on right now, and I think we can do better. Uh, even given the, the circumstances. Uh, and I could certainly do better if you go to supportphantom.com right now. Uh, no, really. I, don't. Don't now. Don't based off of that. Uh, but maybe in the next couple of weeks I'll have something special here. A little special edition of the Needless Things podcast uh, that'll may, maybe entice you to go check it out and see what you think. Uh, I, I don't want to harp on this too much, but I, I really am affected by what's happened this week and I hadn't planned on talking about it at all because I I don't I don't feel like I'm qualified to get into politics but without getting into politics I can say we've just got to focus on on keep keeping together keeping our forward momentum as a people and trying to understand each other and trying to talk to each other and the internet is not the way to do it Uh, Facebook is not the way to do it and, and like I said, hate is not the way to do it. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. 
Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.